Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Connections Podcast. My name is Kevin Gunter. Thank you so much for joining us on this special evening. Today, we have a special guest. Pop, 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 pop. It is Joseph Couch, uh, who is a uh, wonderful, dear friend of mine, a fraternity brother. Call. We never lived together, did we? Roommates? No. We were next door once. We were next door. Neighbors. There we go. Mr. Rogers. Very proud of that. <laughs> My cat Ricky is also here. for the new movie coming out? I am. I'm actually going to go see it next week. And Frozen 2. And then I'm going to judge both of them together. You're saying Frozen as well, or the second Frozen? The second Frozen. Oh. <laughs> hate that. All right. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, very happy that Joe is here, so thank you for being here. Um, Joe is currently running for a seat in the Nebraska legislature. That I am. Legislature. Legislature. <laughs> it's a weird word. Uh, District 21? Correct. Wow. Which is northwest Lancaster County and uh, also north, a lot of northwest Lincoln. Mostly around the, the southwest southeastern border is around 27th and Superior, 14th and Cornhusker, and then it zigzags around down to West A of it on the outskirts of town. Cool. Capturing air park and whatnot. And it's old enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's actually something that I've been like wondering about when I like work on my graphics. I don't want to put just 21 by itself out there because then, you know, that number <laughs> carries that implication with that's it. That's true. Yeah. It's a difficult message to convey effectively. If you, if your district... <laughs> Could have any drink at a bar. What do you think it would order? Hmm. If we could have any drink. Like my district? I don't even know where my district is. In this area, though, I have to imagine it would order an old-fashioned. Because it's, like, strong. But it's classy enough. Like, the houses around here are Victorian-ish. You know, I don't know enough about drinks. I don't oh. think. You know, I like... I have a bartender book. See, we'll I, follow. I mean, I we'll just <laughs> I just drink whatever people give me usually, and that works out. I think uh, for twenty one, what'll work for us? We just defeated a chicken barn that was going to be put up next to uh, Central Raymond High or Central Raymond Schools. So no matter what the drink is, it's not going to have any chicken in it. <laughs> I, <laughs> all right i'm proud of myself for saying that deadpan i hate that uh he did really he didn't laugh at all i um okay you know what we're just not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna keep going anywho uh the title of this story uh this podcast aren't all podcasts just stories i don't know the title of this yet but um what i want to talk about is chinese finger traps <laughs> Uh, and I promise that there is a uh, reason for that. So, um, quick story, and then we'll jump into it. Uh, when I was younger, I I don't can't remember my parents ever taking me to like Chuck E. Cheese's or anything. Did you ever go? We went to Champions once or twice. Is that the same thing? I think it's like the off-brand Chuck oh, E. Cheese's. Do they have a mascot that's like a hamster or something? No, 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 no. Okay. They they just have those checkered flags. Oh, okay. 
makes sense. <laughs> I, I cannot remember. It's been years. <laughs> okay. Well, anywho, uh, I didn't even go to that. We had like a big bowling alley though that had a giant arcade in it. And so I remember I had like a birthday party there once with one of my buddies from school. And so we went and I won a bunch of tickets. And so like the tickets I bought were, uh, or the tickets I got were not a lot. So I think I got like a couple pieces of candy and then I got one of these finger trap thingies, minjiggies, and I had no idea what they were. They just looked cool and they were braided. So I took it home and my brother was there and uh, my brother's like a couple years older than I am. And so we like put this thing on and neither one of us have any idea what it is. And so we, I'm pretty sure there's a Hey Arnold episode just like this. Yeah. Um, but we completely got like trapped. I think I saw that Hey Arnold episode before I got ex- before I had this experience. I did not. So I imagine mine was better than yours. <laughs> it probably was, yeah. <laughs> we got straight up trapped, and our parents were out of town, actually, at this time, so I had no idea what to do. And we kind of freaked out. I remember my brother grabbing a pair of scissors and us being like, no, because... You don't know where your finger is in that. No, you don't know where your finger is in that. Especially uh, when you're, what, five, six? Yeah, I was maybe... Seven. No, I was seven or eight. Smart enough and old enough to know better <laughs> and to have seen Hey Arnold, <laughs> but I had not. More of a Rugrats guy. Same. Thank you. It's the superior show. Yeah, Reptar is the superior animal. Uh, yes. Oh my. I'm very happy for this. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, we started like freaking out a lot, and we, but we slowly started to learn through trial and error that if we, my cat left, that if like we pulled our fingers apart, like it wasn't going to work. It just got tighter and yada, yada, yada. And eventually, I think we were just like, I don't know what happened, but at one point in time, we had eventually pushed our fingers together, which then allowed us to actually break free, which is like great. you yada, yada, yada over an important part there. Um, well, yeah, yada, 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 yada over, you know, you two splitting apart and just struggling. Right. Well, th- that's the part, though. That is that you, you got it. That's the connection, right? This idea. There's two here. One, the struggle that we had to go through to get to that point where we like knew to come together. But also like that trial and error of learning that pulling apart all the time is not going to make you get into any answers or good movements that usually things are only going to be solved or healed or figured out if you come together instead of just like completely pulling apart. And if you are pulling apart, you better be learning from those moments so that you can better decide in the future what that kind of looks like. Mm -hmm. So that's my token of wisdom but the reason why i picked that for tonight is because uh i know joe has a lot of great ideas and um really wants to take nebraska to that next level of solving a bunch of the different issues we have or at least helping people come together to solve those issues um so i'll kind of let you just blab for a while if you want to talk about uh maybe some of the most pressing issues that you see well sure i suppose uh Going off your Chinese finger trap story there a little bit. You want to talk about China? No? <laughs> we'll get there a little bit oh, later. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, something tangentially related there. <laughs> but no, uh, I think a lot of people, especially when you're looking at national political news, are really frustrated. Like, regardless of your political aff- affiliation, you're frustrated because we're seeing just more I don't I don't really want to say more divide because there's certainly times in our country's history where we've been more divided. Mm-hmm. You know, all of civil rights, uh the Civil War. Right. <laughs> uh you know, when the colonies were deciding whether or not to 
join and whatnot. Yeah. But I know for a lot of younger people, this is the first time we've really experienced this serious political division. And I, I think a lot of us are just super frustrated and we see it in the legislature as well at the state level. And that's, that's where I wish a lot more people would look because that's somewhere where we can really easily sort of try to help out by, so we've got a really unique system in Nebraska where we have a unicameral system. That means we have one house and whereas bicameral systems like the federal Congress has the Senate and the House of Representatives. In Nebraska, we just have one house of uh, what we call senators, even though it's not a Senate. It's it's weird. <laughs> we should just call them legislators. Uh, that I'll get off that soapbox and onto another. Uh, I always do that, and I lose my train of thought immediately. I think you were talking about China. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... So, we the people in Nebraska are considered the second house of the legislature. It's why every bill, every single bill in the Nebraska legislature has to have a public hearing and they will stay there as long as there are people to talk about the bill. And a lot of bills don't really have a lot of testimony. I mean, there are some where it's just super boring, like not a lot of people want to go talk about GFCI outlets and whatnot. Right. But you know, a lot of people do want to talk about employment protections and whatnot. So those can be marathon, marathon hearings. And that's all fun to be a part of. Honestly, I loved this last year of going to hearings and being a part of it, but I don't think it really, I mean, I think it helps. I think it helps when our representatives hear from regular people and that can that can dissuade some forms of extremism and this pulling that the two sides have. But we do see two sides in the nonpartisan unicameral. Right. And we see in everyone running that you, you really have to run with a party, otherwise you're not viable. And I think a great solution to this is following in New York's footsteps and Maine's footsteps because they recently enacted ranked choice voting. Hmm. And what that does is it, it really just allows the voter to have more nuance in their vote. Depending on how you do it, you can say, hey, I really like these two candidates. I might like one more than the other, but I also really don't like these three. And you can still have nuance in those. So even if your top two don't get in, you can make sure the one you really don't like doesn't get in. And depending on how you do it, you can have five candidates running and you can have, you can build a broader consensus. You run into issues. This is like ranked choice voting is a very tricky thing. I'm not sure exactly where I fit on it, but so you run into issues where you're not letting any extreme candidates run. Always only the moderates are going to win. Right. So you've got to balance that so that you really establish what, the voters want. And right now we don't, we don't see that. We see mostly what the parties want and right. who has the courage to be a part, be both a part of the party while standing up for what they believe yep. when it's different from the party. Yeah. I, I think that is like, um, maybe it's just because I don't 
hang around with, uh, I mean, I, I work at a startup and, and not a startup anymore, but it used to be startup. So I, the demographic is a lot younger. And so I'm not surrounded by a bunch of, uh, I guess a, a wider range of ages, but I think most people I talk to today really just kind of hate the idea of political parties altogether. Um, you often don't even hear anymore someone claiming necessarily that they're a Democrat from my ear. I think it's more so like, these are the, like it, they're more so mm -hmm. focused on these are the issues that I believe. And a lot of people label that and that person as Republican yep. or, or Democrat. Do you think we're on the horizon of a revolution, I guess, as far as that goes, or like, even just like a resolution of those giants collapsing? You know, I'm not exactly sure. And in Nebraska, it's kind of especially tricky since we have such a, we have a really nonpartisan spirit. Right. And I'll be honest, when I'm, when I'm running, even though I'm a Democrat, I'm, I'm going to be helped because there's not going to be a D next to my name. There are going to be voters that are going to connect with me and my issues that might not have voted for me if they knew, if they were just associating me with it as a Democrat, because then they're associating me with every other Democrat mm -hmm. and they're not associating me with my values. Right. And I, I think it's, it's really tricky because, I mean, the parties, they're, they're a product of the system we have where it's just game theory, where we have to coalesce together. But that also means when you're building a coalition, oftentimes that means you're de facto creating an us versus them. And then you can gain political support by vilifying the other side. But the truth in most things is the other side, they on any issue, they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're right. They think they're doing good. Right. Like even on issues that for me are just completely black and white, like uh, conversion therapy is just child abuse, but it's legal in many States. Right. And the people who practice it, they think they're doing good. They think they're saving their trials from hell. They think whatever this good thing. And I think they're wrong. If I tell them, hey, you're an evil person, that's just not going to work. Right. That might get me some more votes. And if I'm in the right place, that might gain me power to actually change something. But what will build a broader coalition is if I can manage to talk to them with empathy and convince them that they're doing harm. And no one's convinced they're doing harm if you come at them combatively. Right. Just like you can't escape a Chinese finger trap with combat. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a bloody stump. Boom. That's right. Connections. With the word. Connections. Let's go. I think you nailed, like, man, in any situation like that, when the, when the stakes are just high, uh, or even when they're low, like, you attacking someone is never going to work. Ever. It, people, I don't think people really want to face... Even if, like you said, these people, these people, people generally believe when they're doing something that they're doing good. And if you come at them attacking instantly, defense goes up. There's no longer a conversation to be had. There's more of a, I'm going to defend what I believe and not really listen to what yeah. you have to say. And it's, it's this thing about, so shame is this tool that a lot of people use by default. And... I think shame is a tool we can use and it's a tool we should use in certain instances, but it's not the best tool we have. It's, it's just one of many tools. And 
oftentimes I consider it a tool of last resort where this is a person where I'm not going to change their mind. But if this is a public forum, then other people in the audience, they should know that this sort of behavior isn't okay. They should know that if they're being challenged, if someone's spouting these hateful views, they should be shamed. And it's both this sort of fear for the audience that says, hey, maybe I shouldn't be publicly hateful. And also this inspiration to the people who are the victims of whatever hateful rhetoric. That's where I think shame can be effective. But in general, I, I think I try, I try to avoid it. That's cool. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it says a lot to you and your character um, that you do that, that I think you, you know that there's other, I, I think it's really important that you see that there's other tools that you can use that, speak louder sometimes than shame can, especially when we're like living in a world where sometimes even if you claim shame or you try to put shame out there, it will be shot down as fake news or whatever it might be just because they don't want to believe yep. that that's true, that they're, they're yep. supporting that. Kind it's of thing. very difficult to believe something other than what you want to already believe. Mm. Yeah. It, it takes practice and mindfulness to be able to do that. Right. And you're not going to be mindful of that if you're in a, in, if you're in a place of pain, and ultimately that's what shame is. It's a kind of pain. Ooh, there's a thought for you. <laughs> yeah, like I want to believe. See, you were worried I was going to make the podcast sad in like a different question. I did. Now we're sad already. <laughs> I, I told you, I, I'm sad everywhere else. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> you I were can't. not sad. You were actually quite a light, and I think uh, it's very exciting to see you in the position that you're in currently. And I know that you are uh, also a member of U.S. military, so thank you for your service. Thank and you for thanking me. I always... It's but, weird, isn't I'm it? I'm still not used to... I feel people get like, about that people thanking me for that and I never know exactly how to respond actually I was I was getting takeout a couple weeks ago and I get in my car and I'm about to turn it on and I see this little girl in front of my car now just like staring at me <laughs> and I was like oh um do I get out of the car is this one of those like is she bait for some sort of attack or whatnot mm. you know because oh, right. human trafficking like, yeah, stuff, that's, yeah that's a human trafficking tactic right. uh, as as a member of the military we're trained on you know security i'm not technically supposed to be wearing my uniform uh unnecessarily outside of base i mean this was on my lunch break oh you were wearing your uniform <laughs> yes i was okay. yeah so it's I was just taken aback. I go out and she wants to shake my hand and she says, thank you for your service. Aww. And I was like, well, thank you. Right. And just like, I don't know, a simple thank you doesn't sound like enough, especially for something. I don't know. I, f I feel like there's a lot of nuance in literally everything. Right. And I, I just didn't know how to properly appreciate her thanks. That's funny because <laughs> I think a lot of times when I think, someone who's in the military, I feel like kind of like the same way. Like me saying things is almost too little to actually matter and could actually be seen as an insult because it's just like the, I think the, uh, the sac I mean, genuinely the sacrifice of like what you do and so many other people do is hard for me to grasp. And sometimes when I'm like, if I say thank you to you, I could see it be taken as like, uh, yeah, you're welcome. You're not doing it kind of thing which i know is not the case and 
most, if not all, people would not feel that way. But it's funny to kind of see it on both ends. Mm-hmm. I I get that where you think you think your thanks isn't enough. I mean, in general, like I don't like wearing my uniform out in public just because I don't like. I mean, it's camouflage, but you're very seen. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> but like I, I just hate being thanked in public for it. And part of that is I would much rather, you know, instead of thanking me, if you'd vote for politicians who don't endorse forever wars, or you vote for politicians who uh, invest in infrastructure that prevents flooding or acknowledge climate change, that we can prevent flooding and then we don't have to work so hard to keep the state safe from right. disasters flooding and this next spring is apparently I've, I've seen reports that says it's supposed to be potentially just as dangerous as this last year was and which is just horrifying yeah so with talking about like coming together that idea of um bringing together a world i guess that can really rely and and trust one another to do the right thing. What do you think is the key to doing that? I mean, I know you said like actually hiring or well hiring. Yeah. But voting for politicians and people that are going to be passionate about those different things. But I guess I'm asking you one, how do you bring people together? How do you bring people together that have the power to make those changes? Um, kind of alluding to, we understand that people have the power. I get that. But how do you get people that, can come together to make those changes. And if there was one thing that you could change, one law that you could pass in the state of Nebraska today that you think would make the largest and greatest impact for our state, and I guess kind of nationwide as well, what would that be? Cause I feel like they work together almost mm-hmm. in one way or another. Yeah. So in terms of trust and getting people together, I think, I think we are more together than a lot of people think. I mean, when when you go out to a coffee shop and you or you go to a bar and you connect with someone, like you can almost always find someone to connect with on yeah. even one little thing. And those kind of experiences aren't uncommon. What what is also what is unfortunately also common is social media and regular media pointing out the stories where we're not together right. and that makes sense i mean that's the news is supposed to be you know something that's not ordinary and this sort of division isn't ordinary it's mm. sort of human nature to find i mean it's human nature to find differences that's what we see it's also human nature to find connections with one another especially if you're in a good place i mean if you're in a threatened fearful place you're probably gonna i think you're going to find differences more easily. But I mean, it's, it's so cliche, but we just need to find our similarities our commonalities, right? In terms of trusting our government, I think part of that is part of that is ranked choice voting so that our constituents can actually communicate properly with the system of government and have a representative that actually is the representative that they want not like, I mean, there's the argument going around in the Democratic primary about electability. And that's mm-hmm. just every single person in the nation playing pundit about what every single other person in the nation wants from president. Right. Instead of just saying <laughs> what they want. Yeah. <laughs> and that 
so, so much division because you're not just talking about yourself now. You're talking about what you think of someone else, which isn't necessarily right. And even if it was, it's not actually talking about your own values. It's just this complicated mess when instead we could just say what we want. The I'll make one more point on, like, just specifically geared to trust. Maybe two. I don't know. <laughs> Part of my campaign is I just, I don't trust my representative. I don't trust a lot of the representatives in the legislature to vote with reason, to vote with science, to vote with their constituents. I mean, there were so many people, uh, a bill that I testified on was LB 627, which was a workplace protection bill for LGBTQ workers just adding them to the protected class list so that, you know, pregnant women can't be fired because they're pregnant. You can't be fired for being married. You can't be fired for your race or your religion. But in the state of Nebraska, you can be fired for being gay. A lot of people think that's wrong. Our legislature doesn't. I... <clears throat> sorry. Um, I contacted my legislator about, like... 10 or 15 times on this and he did not get back to me at all <clears throat> just would not would not connect with me listen to me anything but i <clears throat> i emailed his office once on a vote by mail bill and then he sends me this lovely thank you you're welcome he sends me this lovely handwritten note about that bill that i emailed him once about and filibusters the bill that I call him 15 times about. Which is just like, okay. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't trust you to listen to me, which is, you know, I'm the second house, or at least I'm part of it, so I feel like I deserve a little more respect than that. And then, like, apart from that bill, I don't, I don't trust him to address climate change. I don't trust him to address my tax issues, I don't trust him on all these things. I mean, if if I can't find your position on climate change, I'm going to assume you're a climate denier at this point. Like, it's it's a... Are you an explicit show? Well, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> go ahead, go it's, for it. It's a crisis. It's, yeah. a, it's a clown horning crisis. Yeah. It's a bleeping crisis. If you're not for it, you're usually kind of against it, right? I, I think in our civilization, people usually speak out Mm-hmm. If they're against something. And that goes to uh, the last question and what you were asking what one law I would enact is. Uh, I think the most important issue facing our state, our country, our continent, our planet is the climate crisis. So the biggest priority is enacting a climate plan. That probably entails more than one bill, though. So, I mean, we've got all sorts... Uh, Sustain UNL has a list of four demands that I have pledged to support. Hmm. Uh, they include, uh, I believe, some sort of moratorium on CAFOs, that's uh, Concentrated Animal Feeding Organizations, or Operations, uh, a return to regenerative agriculture. And that's basically for, like, uh, cattle that's grazing, uh, instead of having them all in like one 
feedlot that's just dirt all over you and a lot of farmers are doing this already because it's just good farming practices you cycle your grazing right oh yeah with the crops that you put in and the cattle fertilize for future years they and the cattle can really just encourage this incredible root growth and this root growth can sequester a lot of carbon which is just good yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like a properly managed prairie can sequester more carbon than some woods some trees awesome and so also we are the legislature is like trying to hamstring wind energy right now and solar energy as well and this is just so absurd because we're sitting on this gold mine as I mean, as Nebraskans, as an agricultural state, you'd think we would know how to turn a profit from our land, right? And we generally do with our corn and soybeans and cattle. But we don't with our abundant wind and sunshine. And it, it's just right there. Right. <laughs> and this is, this is where I'm going to bring in China, where yeah, uh, our farmers dealing with uh, volatile trade prices, where maybe it's not... The, the corn that they're planting isn't getting the same getting the same monetary yield as it used to. Hmm. We can we can farm wind, we can farm the sun and that's that's an additional crop that gives that farmer diversity in their production and it gives them some protection for when the market isn't as favorable or for when you have one grain that covers half the state mm-hmm. that they would have all had something if like wind and all that would have been part of a big part of the climate battle that thankfully now we have some of even the climate change deniers on our side is addressing the infrastructure that we need to because these floods are going to be more common and that that affects roads that affects power lines that affects all sorts of things and we need to modernize our infrastructure our levees our houses it's it's this insane world that you sort of jump into where it's weird to talk about one thing because climate change, uh, when we have less fair weather days, that's, you know, like days where it's nice to go out for a walk. Right. We have more extreme weather, which is hots and colds. And that affects public health because, I mean, when during a, during a heat wave, a lot of families, a lot of low-income families that can't properly cool their houses suffer serious health issues, right? including death. Yeah. And part of that is just your body doesn't have the time to cool down at night when it usually can't. And that's an issue that can be solved with proper infrastructure spending in our housing to make sure that all of our houses are living up to code and that they're affordable. And that can also impact all sorts of things like uh, infrastructure, transportation, where those houses are close enough to work, to employment, Mm. as well as domestic violence, where if you're in an abusive relationship, but you can't afford to move out, you're stuck in that relationship or you're out on the streets. You're out on that street that's flooding and you can't get help. Mm. You're right. I mean, it, it all plays together. Everything is complicated and we need more 
we need more people to be able to address the nuance in the world. Right. The climate change is always, uh, <laughs> it's always interesting to me. Not, not even from the sense of like, even, even if you were somebody who didn't believe in climate change at all, like didn't believe that the climate was changing or anything like that. What just, what what's wrong with like <laughs> helping like economies grow and like yeah you're gonna have to shovel some money around less coal mm-hmm. but like you said the opportunities that are laid out in front of you when it comes to wind and sun energy um, it's a serious expanding market for yeah your jobs as well so like, it it's very hard for me to to understand why people are just so hard to jump at it and I think it comes down to money which I mean you were talking about like the tools that people use to kind of make their points get across. And we talked about how shame is one that some people use. I think definitely money is the top one that gets ranked the most. Yep. When I'm, when I'm in the legislature, I'm not planning on talking about, uh, someone who can't move out of their house because of climate change. I'm planning on talking about how the U S pulling out of the Paris climate accord is making it so that China and Germany can be the chief manufacturers of all solar panels instead of the United States where solar panels were invented, which is, we invented it. We should, we should be at the top of the market. We should be investing in these tools, right? Not, I mean, screw the planet. (laughs) Like (laughs) let's make some money. This is how we're going to make some money now. It's not the black stuff we're pulling out of the ground. It's not, fracking which is going to cost more in infrastructure spending when it blows out our pipes right it's it's the sun and wind i mean they're going to keep blowing you basically need to know how to play the game to speak to the people that are going to listen to get your point across to help out those low-income families that, that need it which is good that you know that because i think i think there's a lot of good people um really starting to kind of pick up and run for offices and, and starting to get to make those changes. And if, if you are listening to this podcast, you are number one, right. Of in charge of making sure we get the right people into the right positions. Um, which, you know, I can say Joe is definitely one of those people. Um, you said a lot of great things. The other thing I wanted to say, you said at the very beginning that I don't want to go unheard by people is it's something that really hit me is that the news, the, the job of the news is to show you things that is, that are uncommon in the world. And I think that's really powerful that if you watch the news and you see something in, on that news that like really troubles you, it should trouble you and you should push for change, but you should also not forget about the goodness and the closeness of the world. Cause you're right. I mean, I, I've said it on here before and I travel all the time for my job and I have always, always, always had a great experience with multiple people on these trips that I've never met in my life and more likely will probably never ever see again. But it's just that idea of human connection that we're, I think coherently, we all know that we're in this together and that I think you're right. I think people love each other a lot more than what is portrayed on different outlets. Yep. So it's, it's the puff pieces that people make fun of, right. you know, the community coming together to save a cat from a tree. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think, I think we need more of those. Definitely. Uh, more cats. One of the problems though, one of the structural problems there that your listeners can take action on is subscribe to your local newspaper yeah. because a lot of times they have, they have to go for those clicks. 
They have to write those salacious headlines. They have to write, follow the trendy stories mm. because they're running out of subscribers. Uh, and local journalism is what feeds all journalism. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all of them are getting news from local journalists as well as as well as their reporters who right. do all the national stuff as well. But every local news story is coming from a local journalist. Subscribe to the Lincoln Journal Star. Subscribe to the Omaha World Herald. Even if you don't agree with everything they're saying, help them out. Help them hire more reporters, hire more editors, and give their reporters, you know, a better time so they can write better if, you know, just yeah, help them out. Help them out. I love it. Awesome. Well, uh, that's all I had to say. I appreciate you being here. You want to learn more about Joe or, or help him out financially or just see his face? You can go to josephcouch.com. Dot com. com. Okay, yep. got it. I didn't know if you were fancy enough for dot org or not. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, I mean, there actually is no real restriction on that dot org. A lot of people think that to have a dot org, you have to be like a registered nonprofit. Oh, yeah? But you don't have to? Yeah, I, I could have made a dot org and made wow. people think that like I was just an incredibly charitable person. But I think I'll let them decide that I, I'll let them figure out that I am ordinarily with a dot com. Okay. I could have done raising that weird. You did, but you got across. Could have you been? You could have done like a Joseph Couch dot Joe. Mm-hmm. So missed opportunity. Um, there are a lot of like different countries that actually get their revenue from their unique uh, dot whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my roommate has his a website at dot li i think which is in lithuania oh and some for some of these smaller countries it's a significant portion of their gdp really yep the there are a couple protected dots and that's like dot gov dot edu i think there's a couple more but dot com dot org they're wide open dot ca wow you could get a dot ca even here in the states. I don't want that, but <laughs> they, they will be more expensive than a dot but, li. <laughs> okay, well there you go. The, the more you know. Uh, anything else you want the people to know, my guy? Dates? Uh, anything like that? No upcoming dates. Uh, just I love recurring donations. <laughs> they really help me budget so that I can like figure out uh, paying staff and whatnot, so that I can give them uh, longevity, so they know how long they're going to have income and at what level that's super important to me. Also, I can't self fund my campaign. My opponent, uh, he gave his campaign a personal loan of like $130,000. Whoa. Yeah. And I've never had (laughs) $130,000. I think at one point, if you combined my debt and my money, I might've had half of that. Oh, okay. But you know, that's basically the same thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, josephcash.com send me your money please thank you kevin for having me on there you are you are quite (laughs) welcome all right all of you out there listening thank you for tuning in Uh, until next time love yourself invest in others and know that you are indeed 100 percent guaranteed pop pop deuces (laughs) 